1: Hi, I'm J.R. Lowry, and this is Career Sessions, Career Lessons, which is brought to you by Pathwise.io. Pathwise is dedicated to helping you live the career you deserve, providing career coaching, content, courses, and community. Basic membership is free, so visit Pathwise.io and join today. Today, my guest is Susan Meyer. Susan is a brand consultant and coach who helps business leaders position their brands with clarity so that they can communicate their value more effectively and maximize their impact. She also works with people individually on their personal brands, helping them untangle the zigzags of their careers to find the clear, shiny thread of their story and design the next steps of their professional journey. She applies a unique combination of logical analysis and creative vision in her work. She has also developed the Envision Toolkit, along with what she's learned in her own zigzag career path across business, art, and parenting to empower others to craft their personal brand and discover a roadmap toward a life of purpose. Susan is an alumna of Dartmouth College, Harvard Business School, and the School of Visual Arts. She lives in New York City. Susan, welcome, thanks for joining me today.
0: Thank
2: you so much for having me.
1: Absolutely. So curious to get into some of your current work, particularly your work on branding. Tell us a little bit about the Susan Meyer Studio.
2: So Susan Meyer Studio started with corporate branding, and I still do some of that. I've been running my own shop for about 12 years. And what started to happen probably five years ago is just on a sort of organic one-off basis. I would have friends or friends of friends come to me and say, you know, I know that you do work for corporations, but I'm launching a new business or I'm starting a new career or I'm going to a networking event and I don't know how to package myself so I know that what you do is really telling the story of something that's complicated to explain in 30 seconds. Can you help me? And that kind of just snowballed into, hey, this is something that people really need, particularly when they're in transition. My age group cohort tends to be in a moment of transition, whether they're, you know, sort of starting a second career or they're on ramping, off-ramping. And so that has developed into line of business for me where. I coach individuals, I created a set of tools, I have a workbook that I walk people through, but we do it sort of together in a customized way, so that they can think through, starting with, what is it that I actually really want? What do I value? What am I good at? Where do I want to be aiming? Before they start telling their story, that's really important. And then thinking about, who's your audience? Who are you telling that story to? And what's relevant for them to hear? Um, And then we sit and craft, what is your story? How do you introduce yourself? And where do you want to be telling that story is kind of the final piece of it, right? Like, what are your communication touch points? Are you trying to make a splash on social media? Are you writing articles? Are you writing a book that just writing your resume?
1: So at this point, how much of your business mix is working with people individually versus working with larger, small businesses?
2: The mix of my time is probably 40% doing this kind of work and 60% corporate work. My vision is to evolve that over time because I find this work really gratifying and purposeful. And it's so personal. I still really enjoy, of course, writing the story of a brand, but it's an object or a service. Whereas this is a human being's life and it's very meaningful.
1: I know you work with companies that are big and smaller companies too. Does working with smaller companies give you a little bit of both, right? The ability to shape a corporate brand, but also to work with people individually, because especially when you're a small business, entrepreneur is part of the brand. In a way.
2: Absolutely. A lot of the companies I've worked with on that cusp, and this is now in what I call my corporate consulting business, a lot of the work I was already doing before I started the coaching was with companies where they had grown, they had raised funding, but they had started a couple of guys in a garage, kind of classic story, but where now they had funding and they had customers and they were growing and they realized, wow, this is no longer a five to 20 person sort of situation, we're suddenly a hundred people and how do we hang on to that special magic that was the core of our brand where everybody just knew it and felt it and we didn't really have to write it down. We had a shorthand and now we've hired all these new people and we have a bunch of investors and everybody doesn't just know the shorthand. And so how do we capture what we have make sure that it's aligned with where we're going because now we're going somewhere new and make sure that we are both communicating externally and internally in a consistent way that captures what it was in the first place that was so compelling that made this thing get off the ground. And so a lot of those companies I have stayed with and grown with and seen them go public. And that's been an exciting journey as well. Another thing that's happened on the coaching side is that I've had companies that are really too small to do that kind of coaching work, but our companies, their teams, not individuals say, hey, can we use this coaching model where you give us the tools, our team comes and does it with you. We do like five, 10 sessions with you. It's sort of a manageable scope for them. And that has also worked really well for kind of smaller companies and teams to do things efficiently and get everybody aligned around the task of branding.
1: You were doing branding work for a few different agencies after leaving your management consulting career that you had at Boston Consulting Group. What prompted you to want to go out on your own?
2: So I worked for a couple of different types of branding agencies, right? There's different areas of branding. One of them was very much about consumer insight, which I find fascinating. Almost all of our work was, hey, let's do some focus groups or go out and do some ethnographies in people's homes and interview people one-on-one and understand how they interact with this product or this brand. So I learned a lot from doing that, but that's just one piece of the puzzle. Another agency I worked for was much more on the strategy lens, which of course is fascinating, but a little bit less creative, but super important as a grounding to think about how does the brand strategy go into the overall corporate strategy. And then the last place I worked for starting my own business was a packaging design firm. So that was kind of the creative piece, which my background and I was an art major in college. So I love the visual piece of it. And so I got to work with some really talented graphic designers, packaging designers. I'm an artist, but I'm not trained in that at all. And so that was fun for me kind of visually and got me very excited about that piece of it. And I think that really when you're thinking about branding, it all has to play together. Some agencies, not the agencies I worked for, but a lot of big agencies really keep those two things separate, the strategy and the design. And it's all of a piece, right? How you express yourself in words and in pictures and strategically needs to all go together. But the impetus for me starting the business was professional and part personal. It was at a time in my life when I had small children and working in an agency environment where you really are beholden to your team and to your clients. I was traveling a lot and that was in conflict with the way that I wanted to be at home as a parent. And then one of the struggles that I had, kind of going back to that, Often there's these two sides of the business and I wanted to be part of both because my brain likes to work on both sides, creative and strategic running my own shop, I could be much more flexible in terms of the role, you know, I had always been a strategy director because I went to business school and I worked in management consulting, as you said. So it allowed me in structuring my own company to do the creative piece in an integrated, holistic way with the strategic piece and also to choose the companies that I work with. So I've branched off into some of this was just fortuitous and not planned at all, but I've done a lot of work in digital health, which is fascinating and such an interesting frontier. I've worked in financial services. I continue to work in consumer products, but I've been able to kind of cherry pick the people that I want to work with the kinds and sizes of organizations that I want to work with by being my own boss,
1: which has been great. What have you found hard about being an entrepreneur?
2: I think the hard thing anyone who's ever been an entrepreneur would tell you is the lack of certainty. There's a kind of boom and bust cycle in running a small business And you do learn over time to plan for that. But in the beginning, it can be quite scary. So in the beginning, when you start a business, first of all, you're like, oh, my gosh, will anyone ever pay me to do something on my own without somebody else's branded shingle? And then, wow, it's amazing. They do. And you're super busy for a while. And then all of a sudden, all your work ends and you go, "Uh uh-oh will anyone ever pay me again to do that? (laughs) And then you realize that the answer is you need to be doing business development all the way along. Even when you're busy, you need to carve out time for that. Like it's its own client project. And then you kind of are able to level out the cycle, but that can be scary. And it's not for everyone. I surprised myself actually by finding that I love that. It's like the thrill of the hunt. And I find So much gratification and saying like, "Wow, I made that work! I landed that job! I finished that project! I won that account! I enjoy that!" And I have at BCG they used to call it a tolerance for ambiguity. I apparently (laughs) high one, so which is probably why they hired me in consulting in the first place because that's something management consulting firms value. But I'm okay thinking I trust the next thing is coming along. But that is not for everyone.
1: What's your support team look like at this point in the business?
2: So I very early on decided that I didn't want to grow an organization, meaning with full time employees, partly because one of my reasons back then for starting the company was to have the flexibility to flex up and flex down in terms of my time and also to be working when and where I wanted to work. Nowadays, that's become normal and you can totally run a team that way. But back then it was not the case. So I decided I didn't want to start an agency with four walls and I wanted to, I had an office space, but I wanted to be able to sort of manage things flexibly and work offsite or at home. So I have run my business always and continue to with a cadre of freelancers. And also each job is different. So some jobs, you need a certain type of designer versus another. Some jobs, you need some strategy support and no design team at all. So I just kind of cultivate and you have to keep cultivating because those people who are good move on and do other things. So that's another challenging part of running your own business. Hiring and finding good people. But that's how I run it with the support of people who also want the flexibility and kind of creativity in their work life.
1: So going a bit deeper on branding, you do corporate branding work and you do personal branding work. What's similar and what's different about a corporate brand versus a personal brand?
2: So, and I should say corporate brand in branding world means something very specific and that's not what I mean by it. So corporate brand means like Pepsi Co is the corporate brand, and Pepsi the drink is the brand. I'm not talking about it in that way. What I'm saying uh-huh. is, as you said, like a company versus an individual. So I think there are way more similarities than differences is the first part of my answer to that question. I think a common misconception is that a brand is a name, a tagline, a logo. What a brand really is, is a relationship. You're building a relationship with your constituents. And that's true whether you are a product, a service, a nonprofit, or a human being looking for a job. In thinking about it that way, that connection, you know, I was starting to mention before the pieces of the puzzle that I help people put together, people being brand managers or individuals are the, what are you about? And so if you're a company, it's like, what does your organization stand for? What are our values? What are our advantages or skill sets? Same thing if you're a person thinking about your own self and then the audience side, that message that you're putting out there, who is it going to and what do they care about? What's their world all about? Not just I'm looking for a new pen and that's what I want, but what's the emotion behind that? Why am I looking for that new pen? What's wrong with the old pen? Not just like it doesn't write well, but it makes me feel a certain way or it doesn't make me feel a certain way. And that's why I'm looking for something new. And so... The answer to your question that I'm really starting to get at is there's not much difference at all between those two things, because really those are the pieces of the puzzle, that building of a relationship that's based on who you are as a person or an organization and who they are as whatever audience you're speaking to. And then that becomes how you choose to tell your story.
1: I know you're a big believer in storytelling. I mean, it's so intertwined with branding. How do you help people think about the storytelling aspect of it? Because for some people, that's a real challenge.
2: For sure, at the base of any branding, you are telling a story. And I think this is especially relevant as an individual or a small business owner. Your story is yours to tell. Your story is huge and complicated. Your story is your whole life, right? And you can't put your whole life into the messaging that you're putting out there about yourself. But you get to choose what parts of the story you put in there. You should choose what's meaningful to you and what's really, really true. And also, what's going to be relevant for who you're talking to. And so it's really a process of narrowing down, right? Like what is meaningful? What is significant? And then how to position yourself. And that's where the strategy comes in. Like, how do you put your best foot forward for whatever goal you're trying to achieve? And it's the hardest work that I help people with the things that they struggle the most with is choosing what to say. Cause there's always more, you know, I work with intelligent, curious, creative people who've done lots of interesting things and who are articulate. So they have lots of interesting things to say. So helping narrow down to a very digestible, impactful, clear message is the hardest
1: part. You mentioned earlier that you have a workbook that you walk people through. What's the process look like end to end with somebody how much time does it take in terms of weeks, months to kind of get them through that process end to end?
2: Yeah, by the way, I experimented with a bunch of different approaches to this because I do think that there's an optimal way that humans behave and you just don't know until you try it. So I initially thought I was going to launch it as a do-it-yourself workbook, right? That would be cost-efficient for people and nobody wanted to buy that. They said, this is great. I will buy this, but I actually need to buy your time too, because I need a partner to walk me through this. I really partner with people and we do either live in person or, well, since the pandemic, it seems like Zoom is just the easiest for everyone. I'm always happy to meet people in person, but most of the work I do is just like you and I today in a container of an hour. Again, I experimented with how long should that be? Should it be individuals or groups? Should it be 10 sessions, 12 sessions, eight sessions, five sessions? what it turns out to be the most efficient and also manageable. You don't want it to be overwhelmed with homework to do, right? They want to kind of get to the point. So I do five sessions, five one-hour sessions, live talking. There's some pre-work. Obviously, there's intake conversation where we talk about kind of how the process works, and I give them some materials. But before each session, let's say I'm working with you you would have a little homework to do. I try to make it fun. I think the visual piece also like picture worth a thousand words. I have you do some collages and then you tell me about them when we come into the room so that you don't have to sit there and write paragraphs and fill in the blank forms. And then we go through it together. And then I spend probably 40 of the 60 minutes asking questions, picking out insights, making connections between some of the things you said today versus last week. And it does work best when we do five straight weeks, although I'm flexible about that. People have complicated schedules, but I parse it out starting with what's important to you. What are you all about? What are your values? And then we move into the audience and their world and articulating in their words, imagining in their words. There's a feedback exercise where I ask people to go out and gather adjectives and phrases that other people that they work with so that there's kind of a mirroring comparison piece to it. And then there's a couple of exercises that I use to get at, like, what's that elevator pitch or what's that bio that you're going to write? And then the final session is about taking it out into the world. You know, how do you think about e-messages and your communication platforms?
1: And when people start to take it out into the world, get themselves comfortable with it, get it fully baked. Are you a believer that they need to be on brand all the time or there are occasions where it's okay to go off brand?
2: I think people are human and of all people, and I do branding for a living and I know that consistency, I believe it's true that consistency is super important in branding. And yet we are complicated, dynamic human beings. So yes, it's okay to do something and talk about something that's slightly different from your one main message. I think it's virtually impossible for somebody who's kind of interesting and curious just to have one main message, but yeah, yeah, not doing anything that's Inconsistent with your brand, I think, is important. And to the extent that you can have guardrails around what you're talking about or buckets, you know, if you have three key messages and you can keep thinking, oh, what am I going to post about today? Or I'm pitching an article, what should it be about? And you have those key messages fleshed out with, why do I want to talk about these things? What's my point of view on these things that you can refer back to? You're much more likely to stay on brand and not have it feel so constraining, but it gives you a reference point.
1: What are some of the ways that you advise people how to measure success of the work that they've done on brand? I mean, for some people, it'll be get a job. Some of it, I'm sure, is relatively straightforward, but I'm sure there are other ways that are maybe less straightforward.
2: We start up front with talking about what are your goals and intentions. And so I encourage people actually check in with people at regular intervals after we're done. Just say, go back to that first exercise that you did. And where are you now? Where are the places that you've made a lot of progress? And where are the places that you've made less progress? Most of all, I encourage people to check in with how you're feeling because you might not have achieved the exact goal. Goal that you thought you wanted to achieve, but you feel great. Something else came in its place that you could not have even envisioned back then. But it tapped into something that was really important to you. And that's what you were hoping to get out of it. Because I do think that we choose or what we should be choosing is a role that makes us feel a certain way, not the specifics of what it actually is, because it's impossible to know. We can guess, like, I think I want that job. But until you get into it, you don't really know if that's going to make you happy or feel fulfilled or align with your values.
1: Speaking of careers, and obviously one reason you do this is to help develop your career. Most people talk about career ladders or career paths. You talk about career zigzags. What do you mean by that? And why do you think that's a better way of thinking about it?
2: Well, I think the old-fashioned way of thinking about a career was you you join a company and you climb the ladder and you get promoted. And that is, of course, societally an antiquated notion because very few people stick with one company it's also become much more not just that people are moving from company to company or even industry to industry, but it's become very well embraced that people have a side hustle. Or So I think we've become much more open and organic as a professional societally to people's professional world. I also think that I call it the zigzag as the antithesis to the ladder that you maybe started out in nonprofit arts and then you took a job in finance and that was good for a while, but then that launched you into a career of coaching. That is not only fine in most circles in terms of how other people perceive you, but it's also good for your own career and your own self. You meet more people, right? You have more connections, more relationships. You're not in one bubble, but you're hearing things from other bubbles and that makes you much more creative and innovative. You're having more fun, right? You have more Mm -hmm. friends, you have more skills. So there's a lot of benefits to trying more than one thing. There's a great book called Range That's I think the subtitle is The Benefit of Generalists in a Specialized World. I think I got that slightly wrong. But the idea being that a lot of people that we think of as extreme specialists who are super at the top of their careers actually did something else first or actually have three other things that they do professionally. So I do think there's a lot of benefits and it's been well researched.
1: You've zigzagged a bit in your own career.
2: Yes, yes. Not only have I zigzagged across time in my career, but I'm a multiple careers at one time type of person. I was an art and art history major. I worked for the Boston Consulting Group doing management consulting, but I also did a lot of other really interesting work. And that's the great thing about consulting and why I've made my career as a consultant because it's a little bit inherent in the discipline of consulting that you're going to work for different clients, tackle right. different challenges, work across industries. So that is certainly why I was drawn to that. But I also ran a theater. I worked in interior design. I have always been a painter. I continue to be a painter, but I had a moment where I was showing my art in galleries and really doing that professionally. I now have a jewelry line. This goes back to your question of, should your brand be consistent? I don't think that you should censor yourself from doing things that you want to do because it doesn't seem like it might make sense to other people. If it makes sense to you, The onus may be on you to articulate why it makes sense. Okay. But if it makes sense to you, it makes sense because it's all coming from the same place. What is important is not to spread yourself too thin. Mm -hmm. That's the danger I know with myself and with people who have lots of different things going on. But in terms of brand consistency, the brand is consistent because the brand is you.
1: Yes. Is that how you would define the difference between sort of good zigzagging and aimless zigzagging is if it makes sense to you, it's okay? If it doesn't make sense to you, it's not good.
2: I think if you're making choices or zigzags out of fear, that's never a good place to be going, right? Like if you lost your job and then you quickly jump into another job that has, they hired you, but it's really not interesting and you're only there because, geez, you need a paycheck. Not to say that might happen and that's okay for like stepping stone, but that's not a kind of mindful choice that's part of your... Wonderful career zigzag. That might be just a temporary measure. All of the good choices that you're making in your career have long, long threads back to your childhood, back to like Mm -hmm. really who you are at your core. And if they don't, it's probably not where you're going to land. Like it's not where you're going to be happy. Um, So doing some of that introspection work is very important too.
1: You talk about finding that shiny thread. Else should somebody sort of do that introspective work and figure out what the common factors are that really tie together those different things that they're doing or that they want to do or have done that ultimately will kind of fuel their success, fuel their passion.
2: I encourage people, it's not a huge part of the work, but there is one exercise where I do encourage people to think back to like, what are your baby pictures about? I look back at my baby pictures like I'm in a bathing suit, I'm always at the beach, I'm beading stuff, like I'm stringing beads, I'm painting, like the stuff that I like to do now is the stuff that I like to do then. We have a little exercise where people do completely off the professional track, just everything up in the air, like what if I could do these things And a lot of times people come with like, God, I would love to have a ski house or I can't tell you how many people have manifested their second homes through going through this process, which of course is not at all the point of the process, but a wonderful sidebar because breaking down the barriers of like, what's holding you back from doing those things also helps you when you then come back to thinking about your professional life. One example, somebody who's been an agent for a long time in their career, but really wants to be a writer. Okay. Okay. Why can't you be a writer? Well, you know, I'm kind of stuck in this track where I'm not with the creatives and they're the creatives, but I am creative, but I haven't told anybody and people don't see me that way. Right. And so breaking that stuff down is very powerful.
1: Speaking of creativity, you're a creative person. You do branding work. You're an artist, as you've mentioned. Most people don't see themselves as creative. Are we all selling ourselves short by thinking that way?
2: Short answer is yes. Everyone is creative. People have this notion that creativity is visual art or performing art. Creativity is just putting two thoughts together that are slightly different from the way anybody else put those two thoughts together. And we all do that all the time. So there's big C creative and small C creative, right? Big C creative is like, are you director of an ad agency? And that's just like a job title. Fine. But small C creative being like, are you creating new thoughts and ideas? Well, we're all doing that. And the question is, how often do you allow yourself to do that? Like, do you give yourself the space or are you kind of censoring yourself before those thoughts even get out into the world? Because, oh, I'm not creative. So this like crazy idea I had probably isn't good as people do that all the time. The professions that we think of as not being creative, like accounting, Accounting can be pretty creative. you know. Anything can be creative. It's really more about like substitute the word creative for like with innovative, right? Like how are you putting together ideas from, and this goes back to why the zigzag path is important and beneficial, bringing ideas from different realms. Like maybe you know something about baseball and you know something about welding and you're working on a spreadsheet and somehow the skills that you have from those other random places, you go, oh, wait, what if I structured this differently? And we all have that. We all have bits and pieces in our lives that come into play. And it's just allowing yourself to let them interplay.
1: What are some of the ways that you can bring creativity in to work to help you be more productive?
2: I think that's another common misperception like, oh, wouldn't it be nice to be creatives? They like lie around in bed all day and drink coffee and to think big thought. Well, I don't have time to do that because I have a job and I have a deadline. I think that one, making space, it doesn't have to be all day. And by the way, artists who are actually doing something with themselves are not lying around in bed all day. (laughs) You know, they also have spreadsheets and they also have meetings, but giving yourself a little space. It can be 10 minutes. It can be journaling five pages in the morning. It can be meditating, whatever it is that works for you, but start with a 15 minute window. Maybe you can create an hour. Maybe it's three times a week versus every day, but creating space just to sit down and be with your thoughts or let your thoughts out with no kind of productive agenda and this has also been researched, turns out to make you much more productive. Productive defined by, did you come up with a new thought? Did you get closer to your goal? Those things are productive, but they don't feel productive because we've decided in our society to define productivity by like, how many meetings we can get done in a day and like, how many minutes we spent on a screen or measuring how much, I don't know, money we made, the billings we took in this week. Those things are important, but they're not the bigger picture of like, how do you create a productive life is in the smaller things, in those things that don't feel in the moment to be productive, but can lead to much bigger ideas that make you breakthrough productive.
1: Just thinking about myself, I grew up around artists. I did not inherit that gene. I can barely draw. And then I got to McKinsey where there were some incredibly creative people who just had amazing ideas that you'd think, gosh, why didn't I think of that? And it took me a long time to actually realize I'm creative enough. I'm creative in my own way. I know how to take advantage of it. It's a different form of creativity than what somebody who does art for a living would have, or somebody who writes plays. But I kind of figured out how to apply it in my life.
2: And I think what you just spoke about is the confidence. So people come to me and they say, like, I asked them, what did you get out of the process? And they often use the words confidence and clarity.
1: How about in the context of thinking about your career? How can you apply creativity to help you perhaps make better sense of what you've done and therefore make better decisions about the future?
2: Well, that is just by nature, a creative enterprise, right? Like looking back on your achievements on your life and on your path and thinking about it as a story, which is a kind of creative lens, right? Moving from a resume to a story is one big leap, which is a much more creative way of thinking about it. And spending the time. Again, I think creativity is in those quiet pockets of time to reflect, which sounds really obvious, but how often do we do it? And creating that time and space to reflect on what you've done, to kind of connect the dots really helps you think about where you want to go moving forward. And to see like, yeah, I thought I was supposed to be doing that, but I actually never enjoyed that part of my career. So maybe that's not where I'm headed i turn out to be really good at this thing maybe that's where i should go
1: literally just today i was having a conversation with somebody who came to me at work for some career guidance and i was saying to her you've really got to figure out what you like to do what you're good at and go through that introspective effort because In the absence of that, you're just much more likely to make bad decisions. And I literally was saying, some people think careers go like this, you know, they could go like this. I was kind of doing the zigzag. So I think the more that you can open your mind up to the possibilities, the better off you're going to be. It is inherently a creative exercise, as you said earlier. Absolutely. As you think back on your career journey so far, what are the consistent strengths that have underpinned your success and your passions?
2: One of them I think is, it's going to say bravery, but there's a double-edged sword to bravery. I was always the kid who would try something new, eat new food, jump off the high dive. I'm kind of fearless in a certain way, not in all ways. I have fears, but that has been a real benefit in the line of work that I find myself in that I turns out to be what I'm really meant to do, which is to be an entrepreneur. And I think that knowing your kind of true nature and seeing how it's aligned with your line of work is very powerful in that way. So I think that's something that has served me well. I guess also still not afraid bucket. I just look at things differently and it can also be a drawback because I don't like to color inside the lines. And so there are certain jobs that I would not be good at, but I like to go, Oh, maybe I can do that. You know, I create my own tools, right? Like I don't want to like take an off the shelf tool that somebody else created and like use that with a client. I want to kind of create my own modality and materials. That's why I'm a maker. I mean, I make objects, but I'm also a maker in the context of my service business. And that's something that I find really enjoyable. And it turns out to be helpful for my clients.
1: What have you had to work on developing?
2: So there are times when you need to color inside the lines and follow the rules. And if you're building something there, think about your Ikea furniture, your Legos or whatever. Like there are times when you need to follow the instructions or the thing doesn't work. And I'm not as good at that. I've had to like take a deep breath, be patient. And there are certain things that you need to actually do in the order they were intended to do or they don't come out right. So I think that's a big one. And then, you know, of course, there's a flip side to like, you should look before you leap (laughs) because you might get hurt. (laughs) Right. So there are things where I'll just go like, yeah, I'm up for that gang, but I want to say yes to everything. And that's part of the narrowing down, just as narrowing down the story is a challenge. Not spreading yourself too thin is a challenge for me because I want to do everything and I want to say yes to everything. So part of my journey in certainly like in the last decade is like, I've said yes to a lot of things and like a million flowers have grown, but I need to decide what are the things that I actually want to spend my time on because time is limited. Time is precious. And I would actually like to make an impact in the things that I'm doing and see things develop in a meaningful way and versus being a dilettante and doing a whole bunch of different things or a hobbyist. And so that's a challenge, but one that, you know, kind of feels good to tackle.
1: How would you describe your brand?
2: So every so often I put myself through my own branding exercises and it's extraordinarily hard, partly because I'm doing it by myself. Even when I get feedback from other people, it's my own exercises. The most recent, and each time as you evolve a little bit, but the themes remain, I think an insight. I just did it. I am very passionate about self-expression, finding your identity, finding that clear, shiny thread, and then putting it out into the world. And that alone is a life's work. Now that looks totally different for each individual, but it is core to the human experience. Figuring out who you are, what's important to you, what it is, what your unique voice is, and then figuring out how to express that to other people. And this is a theme that I was kind of surprised to find runs through my artwork it runs through my management consulting work it runs through certainly my coaching work that's what i'm helping people do is express themselves but that's what i was also helping brand managers do right like tell the story mm-hmm. of a brand how do you express that brand and what i'm doing with my jewelry line like how do you use object of adornment to express something about yourself so that is a theme that runs very deep for me personally and kind of comes out in all of the professional work that i do
1: somebody who likes to color outside the lines. Are there routines that you use to be productive or habits that you use, or are you much more freeform?
2: That's one of the things I think that I've gotten much better at as older. I used to, when I worked at BCG, I had back in the days when people gave away postcards, which now I'm really dating myself, but Used to find postcards like in restaurants and bars, and they would have like clever things on them. And so people would decorate their offices with these cool, colorful postcards. And I had one over my desk that said, Routine is the enemy. And I used to feel really strongly about this. Like, I don't do things by routine. I do every day is different, and I do things differently every day. To a certain extent, I'm still like that, but it is true that there are certain things that are grounding and grounding is very nourishing. I have a real morning routine. I do not start my day before meditating. It's not like necessarily a big production. It can be five minutes, ideally 15 minutes, but I have my cup of coffee. I sit down in a quiet place. It's not always a quiet place. People might be milling about and asking me for things, but I go into my quiet place and I conserve that space. And that helps me for the whole rest of the day. I also have a yoga practice. I practice yoga every day. I'm not standing on my head for three hours, but a half an hour at a minimum every single day. And, you know, it's something getting out of my mind and into my body because my mind is very active and it helps both of those things. Slow it down, clarify all the things I was telling you are my challenges and struggles. Yeah. That helps me also go for a walk every day. So kind of getting out of my mind for not out of my mind, but <laughs> quieting my mind before I start the day and activate my mind is incredibly important for me.
1: So at this point, how are you thinking about the next few years of your career?
2: I'm so excited about seeing where it's going to go. You know, and I've been thinking about this a lot as in the last four years ago, I guess I officially said I'm going to be doing this coaching work. Now I'm putting some this brand of my own out into the world with my jewelry brand. I love to see how the arc of my career is. It now feels a little bit more like a branching network than a zigzag. In the beginning, sort of my 20s and 30s, it didn't make sense to me at the time necessarily. I just felt like it felt right and eventually it would all make sense. Now it sort of all makes sense. Like it's all part of one tree. It's just, it's very, it feels like a flowering of things that are all expressing me, doing things that I feel are meaningful and purposeful and beautiful in the world. And I also don't know, I like the uncertainty. I don't know exactly where those things are going to go. And they almost definitely will not be exactly the way I picture them now, but that's what keeps it exciting for me.
1: Absolutely. So if you could wind back the clock and go back and tell your 22-year-old self, freshly graduated from college, something to help your younger self in her career, what would you go back and tell yourself?
2: Oh my goodness. I mean, it's so simple. Like, it's all going to be okay. It will all make sense at some point. Just do the stuff. You're going to do the stuff anyway, because you are who you are. But I think I spent a lot of time trying to sort of censor myself or fit myself into a path or a mold in a box. And it's just, you're going to be who you are. So just go do it. And it's all going to kind of come together at some point in the future. And it's all going to be fruitful and, abundant, and not worry so much.
1: I hear that a lot. I think it takes all of us some time into our careers to realize that it's all going to be okay.
2: Yeah. In fact, that's on my laptop. It's a neon sign in the forest that says everything is going to be all right. (laughs) And it's been there for years. I haven't changed it for years because I just feel like it's words to live
1: by. Good words to live by. Thanks for doing this with me.
2: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's nice to meet you.
1: Yeah. You as well. Good to dive a little deeper into the world of branding and creativity and zigzag careers. So I appreciate that we managed to cover all that in 45, 50 minutes or so. Awesome. Well, you have a good rest of your day and take care.
2: Thank you. You too.
1: I want to thank Susan for joining me today to discuss her branding work, zigzag careers, creativity, her career journey, and what she's learned along the way. If you're ready to take control of your career, visit Pathwise And if you'd like more regular career insights, you can become a member. It's free. And you can sign up on the website for the Pathwise newsletter or follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Thanks. Have a great day.
0: Thank you for listening to Career Sessions, Career Lessons. We hope the nuggets of wisdom shared today help guide your path to the successful career of your dreams. This podcast series is part of Pathwise.io, which is here to help you live the career you want. We provide a comprehensive mix of career and professional development events, insights, tools, and exercises backed by a group of leading coaches and other career management experts. If you aspire to something more or just something different in your career, join us at Pathwise.io. You can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. See you again on the next episode.